Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Second Chronicles chapter 7. I'm going to minister to you for a few minutes tonight. Second Chronicles 7 and verse 14. Now we heard this Sunday morning in devotion, and then we heard it from Brother East, preached it on our evangelistic service, and a couple of weeks ago, this is the same scripture that the Lord laid on my heart for tonight. And so I'm going to go with, uh, go with what God gave me, and not change my course. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way. Then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be open and my ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. Made in this place. I want you to know the sanctuary is a place where God guarantees his eyes and ears are paying attention. Because if my people pray, God hears. You're in a special place tonight. Whether you feel God or not doesn't matter. God's word says that he's in the place and he is, he's paying attention. And then he said, he continues to say, For now have I chosen and sanctified this house, that my name will be there forever, and mine eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. And he said unto them, it is written, My house, according to Matthew 21 and 13, shall be called a house of prayer. He did not call it a house of worship. He did not call it a house of miracles. He did not call it a house of preaching. He called it a house of prayer. And prayer is not just what I say to God. It's what God says to me. So I want you to know you're in a special place tonight. A place of prayer. God bless you. You may be seated. For those of you that weren't here Sunday morning at 10 o'clock when Brother East preached, I'm going to give you a two-minute synopsis of four things that exist between the if and the then of 2 Chronicles 14. If my people, then will I hear. The first thing required is humility. And Brother East said this, he said, you can get an audience with God if you do four things. No guarantee that God's going to answer your prayer according to the, to the way you want it answered. But to even get an audience, you have to have four things. And the first thing mentioned is humility. Brother Mangan, I read this quote the other day. Brother Mangan said, I have become a better person through the humility of my failures than the pride of my victories. Did you hear that? I have become a better person through the humility 
of my failures. Have we ever failed? Has it ever been humbling to have to admit that you failed? I've done it lots of times. But I've, I've become a better person through that than through the pride that could come from my victories. The second thing is that we need to pray. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17 says that we are to pray without ceasing. We never give up. We are always in a frame of mind to pray. Philippians 4 and 6 says, be careful for nothing. There's a contrast here in the first half of this sentence. Be careful for nothing, but in everything. The exact opposite. In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. You see, prayer is not just saying things to God. It's hearing from God. Have you ever had somebody come up to you and talk, 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 talk. And you can't get in one word. And then when they're done talking, they say, thanks for listening and turn and walk away. And you think to yourself, how rude that person has just been. That's not communication. But you know, sometimes that's the way we do things with God. We can come to an altar because we're so moved to come to an altar and because, quite frankly, we've been trained to come to an altar at the end of every service. And that's a good thing. But sometimes we think that when we come to the altar, we just say what we gotta say and then we leave and we wait for no response and we don't give God a chance to speak to us and then we say, God, when are you gonna speak to me? But we've been rude and we haven't, waited for God to speak. Sometimes we need to learn to just stop talking and to listen. Remember, one man said it wasn't in a mountain, it wasn't in a fire, it wasn't in an earthquake, but it was a still, small voice of God. Be still, be still, and even be quiet. And know that I'm God. God has something to say. But oftentimes we're too impatient to wait on God. Now I think there's two ways of waiting on God. I think one way of waiting on God is just waiting and listening and, and being patient. But there's another way of waiting on God. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings as the eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and they shall not faint. But sometimes waiting on God is saying, God, what can I do for you? What is it that you would like of me? It's like going to a restaurant and having somebody wait on you. How can I serve you, sir? Do you need more coffee? Do you need more cream or sugar? Do you need a refill on your drink? Is there anything I can do for you? That's waiting too. We need to be good waiters. 
Good waiters, waiting on God and waiting on God. I remember one man, you remember him in the Bible? He was in trouble, he was gonna meet his brother the next day and he was afraid that his brother was gonna kill him so he left his family and he spent the night, the night, alone. And it says, and Jacob was left alone. When's the last time that you ever just said, it's going to be me and God tonight? When's the last time you said, if I need to, if I need to be in the living room all night long while my family's sleeping, I've got to get a word from God. I've got to hear something from God that answers the turmoil that's in my life. Jacob did that, and he wrestled with an angel, and his life was changed. We need some alone nights with God. Not just tossing and turning in our bed, but getting out of bed and finding, finding a place to pray. And then when we have this audience with God in prayer, we have to understand that God has a right to say no. We think that because of our much speaking, we will be heard. We think that we can convince God that our will is the best way. But we have the perfect example in Jesus praying in a garden as to how to deal with both of those situations. Both of them. We don't know exactly all that he said, but we heard the end of his prayer. If it could be your will, as a man, if it could be your will, God, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That was the conclusion of his prayer. And if my people pray, God hears. If my people pray, God hears. And this was the only time that Jesus as a man ever offered a prayer request to God. And God said, no, you are going to go through with this. Your will as a man is not my will as God. So what did Jesus do? He got up and he did. Be prepared for God to say no and then get up and do it's not easy. You know, we are so much like children. We're happy when we get our way and we're disappointed when we don't. But as somebody that's lived a little while, I have learned that it's a good thing that I didn't get my way. Because that would have been a nevertheless. And I never want the less. I always want the more. How about you? But nevertheless is my will versus God's will. And when God says no to me, I need to trust him and say, okay, God, you see the end from the beginning. I don't. I trust you. I'm going to tell you something. If, if we got everything that we prayed for, we probably wouldn't be serving God today. I've seen some people that got what they prayed for. They got the dream job. They got the money, and they didn't need God. And they stopped going to church, and they stopped serving God because they don't need God anymore.
And they're too distracted by all that they got. David said it this way, Lord, let me never become rich that I think that I don't need you. And let me never become poor that I become a thief. We need to trust God when he gives us the answer as to yes or no. The third thing was, seek my face. This is an area that I think the church is missing. We're not seeking the face of God. We're seeking the hands of God. The hand that says, God, I want. And God, I need. So let me look into your hands of provision and protection and all the things that I want and all the things that I need. And God said, don't seek my hands, seek my face. Lift your head up and look me in the eye when you talk to me. You never look away from somebody when you're talking to them. Can I get an amen? You should always have eye contact with people that, you're, that are talking to you or that you're talking to. Otherwise, it appears that you're not interested in the conversation. You're distracted by something else. We need to seek the face of God. We need to seek the will of God. Because if my people pray, God will hear. There you go. If my people pray. I can guarantee you that every prayer that is not prayed will be answered with silence. But every prayer that is prayed will be answered. I promise you. Because God said he would answer. He didn't say when and he didn't say how, but he said he would. So we need to be people that pray. Let me give you this. This is Matthew chapter 18 and verse 1. I want to talk to the children now for a minute. And I'm not just talking to these children. I'm talking to us as the children of God. This is Matthew 18 and 1. At the same time came the disciples to Jesus saying, who's the greatest in the kingdom? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, verily, verily, I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whosoever will receive one little child in my name receiveth me. But whosoever shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it would be better for him that a millstone were hanged around his neck and that he were drowned in the sea. So when it comes to being the greatest in the kingdom, he picks on a little child and says, come sit on my lap. I'm going to use you as a visual illustration today. Why did he choose a little child, a little child, for his visual that day? Well, I think there's four things that children possess while they're young. They can unlearn these things, but while they're young, they possess them. Number one, children have a unique ability to forgive quickly. They can forgive quickly. Number two, children have a unique ability to trust 
they will take a running leap and believe that your arms will be out and you will catch them. Because they trust. Number three, children have an ability to obey. And you say, oh, they don't always obey. Well, that's why God made you bigger than them. Because if they won't obey your voice, they will obey your hand. Okay? So children also, they also learn to obey. And then the fourth thing about children is they have the ability to have great faith. They have great faith. They believe everything's going to go all right. They, they go to bed at night. They don't worry about the rent, the mortgage. They're not thinking about that. They're not worried about the weather. They're not worried about the future. They got parents for that. My parents and God will take care of all that. Do you ever watch a little kid play with another kid and you, and you become just a little bit jealous? Like you wish you could be a kid again and not have any of these adult worries. What was Jesus saying to us? He was saying, you can. If you let me be your father. And if you just continue to learn how to forgive. And how to trust. And how to obey. And even how to have faith in me. Because if my people pray, I will hear what they say. Your children will get your attention. Now, this has happened, hasn't it? Daddy, daddy, just a minute. Daddy, just a minute. Daddy, they will nag you until you give them your undivided attention. Even if you get angry because you keep nagging them. But they're going to get your attention. And when you become a grandma or a grandpa, you're going to become even more liberal and more generous with all that you possess and with your time. I mean, you will give those grandkids just about anything. Right, Grandma Kylie? I am a very, very wise man. I have learned to play the game. If I want something and my wife won't give it to me, Mariah, why don't you go ask Grandma? And it works. Because we'll give to our kids. God is the same way with us. He loves us. And he, and he hears when we pray. Because if my people pray, if my people then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, heal their land. Now, I want to conclude with this tonight. I want to take you to the book of Daniel. Um, and I think rather than read these, these scriptures... I think I'm just going to tell you the story. Okay? I think it would work better that way. The children of Israel were in bondage to the Babylonians. And it was rigorous and it was very difficult. 
But King Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon, and he decided that he was going to get the elite children, children without blemish, children that were smart, children that could be leaders in the Babylonian kingdom. And he was going to give them the best of food and the best of training, and he was going to prepare the leadership for years to come. And he didn't care if they were Babylonians or not, if they were even slaves, if they they were even Jewish boys. He wanted the best. And four of those boys turned out to be Jewish. We know them most commonly as Daniel Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they received the finest food. But Daniel said, no, we don't want to eat the king's food. We, we have a specific diet that helps us to be healthy and strong. And we're asking you to allow us to eat on this diet for one year. And after a year, they appeared before Nebuchadnezzar, and there were no children that looked as good or were any smarter than Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were promoted. And so they became very important to Nebuchadnezzar. Then one day, Nebuchadnezzar went to bed at night, and he had a real bad night, and he had a terrible, terrible dream. And he woke up in the morning and he summoned all of his wise men and the, and the sorcerers and the magicians and all the people that were supposed to understand these kinds of things. And he said, I've had a dream and I want the interpretation. And they said, well, what's the dream? Give us the dream, then we'll give you the interpretation. And he said, I don't even remember what the dream was. And they said, you're not being reasonable. How can we interpret a dream when you don't even tell us what the dream is? He said, that's what I pay you for. Now, you're either going to tell me what the dream is and give me the interpretation, or I'm going to start over by killing you and replacing you. And all of them would have died, including Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But if my people pray, pray. so Daniel prayed. And he prayed and he said, God, I need the dream and I need the interpretation. And God said, here it is, Daniel. And he went to Nebuchadnezzar and he said, Nebuchadnezzar, here's the dream you dreamed. You dreamed of of a great statue that appeared as a man. It was the head of gold. It was the breast and the arms of silver. It was the belly of brass. It had legs of iron and toes were made of clay. That's the vision you had. And the interpretation is this. King Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold. And other nations inferior to you, which we now know, Media, Persia would be the arms and the breast. The belly would be brass, which represented Greece. The legs of iron would represent the Roman kingdom. And then the toes represented what we believe will be the common market. And Daniel gave this interpretation to Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar felt that he had received the answer. And he promoted these four. And they became elite. He had three presidents. And one of the presidents was Daniel. 
Because if my people pray, God will hear. God will hear. And even though you're Jewish, you can be special in the kingdom. And here's why I'm saying this to you tonight. I know this is going to sound difficult, but I want you to hear it. We need to pray for our nation. But no matter what our nation does, God will still always take care of his people. Even if we were in bondage, God would take care of us because God keeps his promises to his people. Pray for our nation. Pray for the leaders of our nation. Pray for the people of our nation. Didn't he say that he would heal their land? That's talking about our nation. But the difficulties that we go through as a nation are good for us because they bring us right back to prayer. For those, let me tell you what's happened in our lifetime. How many of you remember 9-11? How many people went to church after 9-11? How many people went to church after December 7, 1941? How many people were in church on November the 24th, 1963, following the assassination of President Kennedy? Whenever our nation goes through turmoil and difficulty, we head for the house of God. We turn our lives back to prayer. And God hears our prayer. And God will hear your prayer too. You're special to God. You're one of God's children. But the next thing that happened to Daniel was that Nebuchadnezzar was a proud man. And so he built a great statue. And he gave instruction that whenever the music played, everybody was supposed to bow down and worship the statue that Nebuchadnezzar had built. Of course, these four Hebrew children aren't going to do it. Now, I don't know where Daniel was that day. But I know where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were. And when the music played and everybody in the kingdom fell down and worshiped, three Hebrew children remained on their feet and they would not bow down and they would not worship. And it was brought to the attention of Nebuchadnezzar and he gave them a second chance. But their answer to him is, we are not careful concerning this matter. We will not bow down and worship idols. This is contrary to what we have been taught. We worship only the one true God, and you're not him. And so we're not bowing down, and God is able to deliver us, and he will deliver us one way or another if you try and throw us into the fiery furnace which you have threatened us with. I want you to know the world is looking for a church that will stand up and will not bow down to the music and the instruction that the world gives us. We need to remain faithful and strong in our faith. Faithful and strong in our faith. And if my people will pray, God will deliver us. God will deliver us. And they took those three and threw them into the fiery furnace. And even Nebuchadnezzar was able to say, I thought we put three in there. Looks like there's a fourth. God took a manifestation, a theological form, and went to the furnace with them. And anything that we go through, God is with us. 
God is with us. Whether we're in a furnace, a trial, a tribulation, God is with us. And after Nebuchadnezzar's reign ended and the golden head of Babylon was taken over by an inferior set of nations called the Medes and the Persians, there was another king, and that king's name was Darius. And Darius loved those four Hebrew boys. He didn't kick them out when he took over. He recognized them because God gives his people favor. I said, God gives his people favor. And Darius said, you're going to continue to rule. But the people in the media Persia kingdom were jealous of the Jews, those four boys. And they knew how much they prayed. So they concocted a plan. And the plan was, King Darius, people should only pray to you and to your gods. So we ask you to make a decree that nobody for 30 days can pray to any other God than our gods. And if they do, that you will destroy them. So Darius signed the decree, and then they waited for Daniel to open up his windows like he did three times a day, every day. And the first time he opened his window on that morning and prayed to his God, they reported it to Darius. And they said, now we can get rid of him. And Darius knew that he had been tricked. Tricked by jealous people. And he said, Daniel, have you done this? And Daniel said, yes, I have, and I'll do it again. And he said, then I have to put you in a lion's den and trust that your God will take care of you because I can't go back on my word. And Daniel was cast into the lion's den. He wasn't there when the three Hebrew children stood up, but this time he was all alone. And he went into that lion's den for a night. And while in that lion's den, God shut the mouths of all of the lions. And Darius got up early in the morning to go and see if his friend was still alive. And Daniel said, I've never done anything against you, O king. I've been faithful to you, and God has been faithful to me. I am alive, and I have not been harmed. And Darius was so happy that he took all the people that accused Daniel, their wives and their children, and threw them into the lion's den, and the lions devoured them. If God's people pray, he will deliver them. He will deliver them. And God is always faithful to his children. Let me read this in conclusion to you tonight. This is also from the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 10. Daniel prayed and he didn't get an answer until Daniel 10 and 10. And it says here, and behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, 
Understand the words that I speak unto you and stand upright. For unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood there trembling. And then he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you did set your heart to understand and to chasten yourself before God, thy words were heard, and I am come for your words. If you're here tonight and you're saying, I prayed this prayer a long time and I haven't got an answer. The answer's on its way. And if God has to send an angel to deliver it to you, he will. Because from the first day that you set your voice toward heaven and you declare to God how important an answer is to you and your willingness to accept no as an answer, God will dispatch the answer. And he dispatched it in the form of an angel. And then the explanation was given by the angel. The reason it took me so long is the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and 20 days. But lo, Michael, one of my chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. And now I have come to make you understand which shall befall my people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. From the first moment that you offer your prayer to God, God's working on it. Now God's got some problems that he's got to work through. He's got to work through this free will thing. He can't make people do things against their will. He can try and convince them. He can speak to them. He can even change some circumstances. But he will never take away a person's right to choose. But every prayer you offer is always heard by God. Because if my people pray, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Let's stand together. I thought about how the Lord would, would like me to wrap this up tonight, and this is what I felt the Lord laid on my heart. Remember how I talked about children and the, and the four characteristics that they possess? You see, children don't know anything about being politically correct. They, for the most part, don't even know anything about fear because they're so trusting. But they know a lot about faith. And sometimes they have more faith than adults have and a whole lot less inhibitions. And I think that it would be a good thing tonight if you had an urgent prayer request if a childlike faith could come and lay hands on you and pray for you tonight. I know we're supposed to pray with our kids when we go to bed, right? We kneel by the bed with them and we pray with them before they go to sleep. Well, what about tonight? What if we came to the altar as adults and we asked the kids, would you come and pray with us tonight?
Would you offer up a a childlike prayer for whatever my need is? Would we be willing? Number one on the between the if and then was what? Humility. Would we be willing as adults to humble ourselves and say to a child, would you pray for me tonight? I wonder if God would honor that. And if you think he would, why don't you come to the altar tonight and ask a young person to pray with you for just a few moments and take their prayer of faith and allow God to do what only God can do. You're invited to this altar tonight, and if you're going to take my advice, find a young person and ask them to pray with you tonight. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.